Chapter Two of the Death of Society, a novel of tomorrow by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two. They went indoors. The hall ran across the whole centre of the house and was large and full of space. At both sides there were windows and a row of pillars carved and painted like totem poles supported the upper story in the centre of the room stood a huge table of unvarnished oak with carved trestle legs a set of pewter candlesticks was placed upon it and around it were arranged heavy carved and painted chairs highly varnished vermilion wooden chests painted with jasmine flowers in green and white stood under the walls and in the brick fireplace large logs smouldered upon iron dogs it was a dark room for the pine rafters of the ceiling were open to the floorboards of the room above ingman went to the fireplace and taking an armful of spruce branches from a large farmer's basket threw them down upon the logs and waited until they flared up into a lively blaze ah he said that makes him more cheerful at this point a solid country girl in an embroidered white shirt and dark green skirt came out of a door beside the fireplace with a thick homespun cloth trimmed with lace over her arm and her master said in english what supper time and then in norwegian ebba we have a stranger she smiled a country smile at smith who felt cheered to the heart and smiled back as she bobbed a curtsey ingman was evidently house proud well lay thy cloth said the old man to the girl and leaving the fire which was now well burnt up took smith over to a door upon the opposite side of the room under the stairs now he said you shall see my wife at last smith was forced to realize that there were women belonging to the old man what women could they be he thought but dull and stiff norwegians the ideas and feelings which ingman had brought round him would be dissipated his host opened the door and he found himself in a large family room that seemed to take up the whole garden side of the house the light was beginning to fade and the silvery evening glow shed a radiance of incomparable beauty over the simple furniture and the long vermilion curtains at the windows and made romantic the figures of two young women embroidering a huge spread of damask though they surely could now scarcely see the threads hildegard natalia said ingman in english here is a stranger whom you have no doubt seen from the window walking with me in the garden hildegard rose calm and staid and in an elderly manner though she could not be more than twenty years of age came towards the young man natalia small elusive and dark the younger by twelve months or more followed her sister and they both shook hands with him in the english fashion for they at once guessed his nationality smith was glad to find the elder delicately rounded and the younger pretty as an angel and in contrast to his apprehensions they both appeared in the highest degree charming all that a man could wish of women in general your mother asked ingman and the two girls laughed saying in their native language she is vanished smith thought their laughter odd and unusual but the smile on the old man's face reassured him all at once ingman became solemn and smith following the direction of his eyes turned and saw sitting at the far end of the room with her feet against a huge white majolica stove a woman whose age he could not guess 
he altogether forgot that she was his hostess and that it was not for him to stand in the middle of the room and stare at her there she reposed quiet and mysterious in a simple corn-coloured dress with an embroidered drapery about her shoulders her small hands in her lap her face with its grave smiling mouth blue eyes and lovely brows turned toward him i have brought thee a stranger rosa said ingman going up to her she rose and standing beside her husband put her hands upon him smith approached within a few paces of her closer at hand her beauty had a northern delicacy an inexpressible quality of fineness which northern flowers possess that is seen nowhere in the luxuriant south he was amazed your name again said the old man and in a deep voice out of which he did not think to keep his emotion the young man replied rain smith mrs ingman smiled and put out her hand and smith advancing took it in a half-conscious state of wonder and let it go again he had the sensation of being bewitched with the bewitchment fairies exercise over men whom they overtake in lonely forests and on smooth grassy slopes he stared at her openly and without sense of shame this then was ingman's wife she was like a creature of a romantic story ibsen's lady from the sea perhaps only a thousand times more strange she spoke to him she said quietly in her native tongue i am glad you have come young man as she spoke he felt the dreamful bliss of wonderful caresses upon him and became a little lost ingman's voice recalled him he said in english to give him confidence here is a youth from england rosa i have been talking to him in the garden and then he repeated to his wife in norwegian it is an english youth who lost itself in thy garden and now in thy heart as we all my wife understands no language but her own and a little german he said turning once more to smith natalia laughed again to smith's astonishment and the professor beamed upon his wife and daughters suddenly the whole family seemed to forget him and to become serious in a concentration of family love he expected the four of them to draw together like needles toward an invisible magnet and the women to vanish into a pocket-handkerchief which the old man would shake out like a conjurer and stuff into his pocket remarking at the same time so much for a family nothing of the kind occurred and ingman said to his wife in her own language this youth will stay the night i hope he is as entertaining as he is good-looking said natalia tush said hildegard you fancy yourself wicked a long winter makes a wicked woman cried natalia quoting an imaginary proverb and danced over to the window karin karin thy red shoes said her mother with an intonation made of the echoes of a thousand fairy tales and ingman said to smith my wife will be pleased if you will stay with us a few days and he not understanding norwegian was unable to know that they had not discussed the matter in any human language ingman and his wife sat down and smith still standing watched the two girls gather up their heavy embroidery and patiently awaited the liberty to seat himself in rosa ingman's company oh said natalia the englishman should help us to fold this linen but hilda blushed for it was part of some bed linen she was preparing against her wedding that summer with a good-for-nothing lieutenant in a crack cavalry regiment whom she idolized come natalia you are slow she said and took her sister and the linen out of the room adding to her mother as she went i will see about the dinner 
when they were gone smith sat down and ingman said slowly to his wife he has come from sven sigerson hilmar sigerson's son who has returned oh sven sigerson she said and smith surrendered himself again to gaze upon her i hear terrible things about him from this man is it not so he continued in english hilmar sigerson's son has plenty on his soul yes answered smith as if the gods addressed him the old man understood his state of mind and began to talk to him easily and yet with a certain intention of throwing him into deeper embarrassment he held his wife's hand all the time my wife he said as you can see is more than twenty years younger than i am you will remember by hearsay no doubt the date when the production of ibsen's plays were european events in those days i lived in christiania in order to criticize norwegian dramatic productions i met my wife in a little white house on a hill you notice yourself you cannot take your eyes off her she was sixteen when i first saw her and she was in love with ibsen she married ibsen's critic the great ingman well i am the great ingman and this is ingman's wife you have seen their fleshly children they have other less substantial more enduring daughters and sons you think her wonderful and i nothing whom you thought wonderful in the garden two wonderfuls in one day zwei wunderschönen drei wunderschönen youth genius woman smith had nothing to say he blushed deep red all over his handsome face the wife who had been watching him rose and approaching him put her hand upon his shoulder he clenched his teeth and began to sweat in his effort to keep command of himself and stirred and took a deep breath through his nostrils i am glad you have come she said bending down over him and he was forced to look up into her face he wished to seize her hand from his shoulder and devour it with kisses to press and fondle it with groans and sighs and a hundred signs of passionate emotion he looked at her with a look near to anger immediately she understood and took her hand away and his impulse was to seize her then and there and fight for himself but ingman was present once more she smiled and said something in her own language in a tone which caused him to know that she was well aware of his feelings and went quietly out of the room directly she was gone smith buried his face in his hands then recollecting himself ran his hands backward over his rough black hair and folded his arms upon his breast you think said ingman she is mad mad said smith with a start i think so too went on the old man but only mad according to society that class of persons who have a code of behaviour and are educated without acquiring knowledge they say i have driven her mad i pity them it is she who has driven me to the verge of insanity but she is the only woman i could have endured in marriage ah she is extraordinary the lady from the sea murmured smith in his deepest tones your remark is just said ingman but insufficient yes yes exclaimed smith i ingman cut him short by getting up and indeed he had nothing in his mind to say but only passionate visions nor were his visions clear not more than troubled half-born dreams full of dark colours and violent uncompleted motions ingman began to walk about and after a little while he came back to the end of the room where smith sat and spoke i knew ibsen very well he said speaking slowly he always had the air of an immortal though in appearance a homely man you think him perhaps an old-fashioned moral reformer 
i saw him shod with wool i will tell you you are apt to forget that these people lived a daily life that is the greatest difficulty of a critic they cannot remember that their men rose from their beds once in every twenty-four hours and once in twenty-four hours went to bed again our brilliant european critics of shakespeare forget this their logic their force of critical construction their contributions by criticism to philosophy and every science is each defective in one particular they build too high upon accident and allow too little for incident bah they are not simple enough criticism is the most human art especially of the dead if i am reading nietzsche i must forget nietzsche if i criticize him i must remember him the first thing i must ask myself is what was this man's consciousness smith lay back in his chair he wanted to smoke but partly for his own protection partly from courtesy he dared not interrupt the old man who continued to pace up and down the room with his memory wandering among the millions of thoughts contained in his past some few of which he gave at random to his guest to-day continued ingman and placed himself in front of smith with his hands in the tails of his coat to-day you come out of nowhere at first my impulse was to resent your innocent intrusion and to send you away my nature still presides at times over my philosophy my nature is to be cautious my philosophy in the events of life never to choose never to select i do not advocate it i have experimented i accept everything that comes to me you do not suspect me of retaining everything no i reject most of life after i have taken its nourishment into my blood what remains certain simple principles the principle on which i now accept you is this all men and women are equal in the one sense that they are human beings in the same sense all their acts are equally important men will not remember that the accumulated force of innumerable small deeds is ten thousand times more potent than a catastrophe smith looked critically up at the old professor his words were calming him even though he no longer found them of particular interest he thought this old man has not talked for some time i will listen to him only because it is part of this adventure and felt as if something was complete in him that he was unable to realize save with the assistance of all these people that he had conceived by fate what time alone could deliver him of he gave himself up therefore to patient attention being well aware that only by entire self-surrender could he hope to learn the truth of life catastrophes went on ingman are to life what volcanic eruptions are to the progress of nature the grass will not grow greener because of vesuvius the world no wiser because of napoleon i know there are those who see life in terms of great men and great wars but i prefer to be democratic and say what the mass of the people do every day is life he paused and several thoughts passed through his head unuttered and smith still considering him rather than his words felt yes now indeed have i put out to sea again to sink or swim many times in the past had he given thanks to god for safe delivery from a perilous voyage and had sworn to himself to abide by the inactive security of the land but as many times directly a new adventure presented itself without caution or recollection of past dangers he embarked afresh presently the old man continued speaking i have observed many people and subjected myself to many events i have written correctly or incorrectly many books to-day you stand at the doorstep of my house 
I open the door to you because I always open my own house door. You are before me. I see your face filled with expectation and curiosity. You see a little fat old man who conceals the fact that he has given way to nature and is irritated because a stranger has ridden into his garden. I deliberately force you to dismount and thus recover myself. Your quiet manners and grave anxiety about my treatment of your horse persuade me to like you, and I induce you to walk and talk with me. I see that your way and mine agree, that you are willing to let the future unroll before you with the curious expectancy wherewith I have watched the past. No doubt, as I have done, you will on an occasion seize life and use it boldly to your own ends. Ah, yes, young man, to seize life and to use it successfully requires courage, a sharp wit, and a clear head. It does, said Smith, as the old man moved in the direction of the door. Smith rose. Indeed it does, and you know how to do it, said old Ingman, stopping and tapping on the air with his fist. Have done it, no doubt, he added. You are no fool. They left the room from which the lovely twilight was now fading, and as they went into the dark hall with its grotesque pillars, Ingman said, Hilda will take you to your room. End of chapter 2 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine